millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Supported by thegeldedend.com. To browse and buy vintage lead shirts, player-signed prints, and classic memorabilia, go to thegeldedend.com. The Square Ball. By the fans, for the fans, since 1989. To buy the magazine, read the blog, and to download the podcast, visit thesquareball.net. It's transfer deadline day again, but we've only just sold Max Gradle. 24 hours is long enough to buy a replacement, right, Ken? And with hours to go, we're all glued to Sky Sports and Twitter, and fingers crossed, news coming in, maybe Billy Painter's leaving. Hello and welcome to the Square Ball Podcast. It's transfer deadline day and in an exciting Sky Sports news kind of way, I want to introduce to you the other members of the Square Ball Podcast on transfer deadline day. First of all, Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White. Yes. And finally, Oddie. Indeed. Was that exciting enough for you all then? I don't know, we couldn't hear it. You've got the headphones on. <laughs> Somebody's probably excited somewhere. It must mean a transfer is happening now. If I end up with the, the EastEnders theme tune at the beginning, I'm you're really the, annoyed. You've got the Hovis music on your <laughs> Right, before we get into all that uh, nonsense, including Max Gradle, I'll just quickly tell you about issue two of the Square Ball magazine. It's going to be out for the Crystal Palace match on sale at Ellen Road. And you can subscribe via the website. Go to thesquareball.net. Right then. Sorry, I'm gonna one more time. Get in touch with us then via podcast at thesquareball.net. That's the email address, Facebook and Twitter. Right, white watching part one. And a couple of weeks ago, it all started going a little bit better than before, and we start off with a four-one victory against Hull. Seems a very long time ago now. I remember my uh, immediate reaction to it was that we were going up as blooming champions, which is how it felt for uh, a little while. A very little while. I mean, yeah, it was an improvement on previous games and we managed to keep 11 men on the pitch. Only scored one own goal, which was cancelled out then. Can we just rename Tom Lees now Tom Leeds because it's just going to get too confusing, isn't it? I mean, If it makes you more able to follow the game. So yeah, Tom Leeds scored at both ends, which was which was nice for it to see him make up for the error, turning into his own net. And um, both good finishes. He looked. He did look disheartened with his um, the own goal. Obviously, looked quite pleased with the next one, but uh, cop end as well. It's good to see Paddy went over to him and had a little word, very a very and brief and word. And they showed him how it's done at West Ham. Yeah, do that again, and I'm going to break you off. <laughs> and we had our uh, annual Snodgrass free kick. Yeah, the whole free kick. Obviously, that happens every time we play them. As well, it was good that we just came out on the second half and just scored another goal. As if wow, well, this football game. It's an easy lark. It's worth saying that we were sort of a little bit worried, weren't we, going into this game, that the wheels had already come off the season and it was nice to see us turn over Hull, especially considering how much they just completely dislike us. Meow. <laughs> oh, I actually wanted them to take the lead so we could see the mob by the Tigers. Did they not do uh, it? Chant. Did they... I was waiting for that. I, was uh, I didn't see any hand. Surely an own goal. Ellen Road is the time to start get get those Tigers mauling. <laughs> But at 3-1, I must say, I turned to my mate and said, because they were putting a bit of pressure on and said, this is going to be awful when they score. Because I was thinking at 3-2, then it, we're almost bound to lose once it goes to 3-2. Well, that was the thing with it being a, a Tuesday night game. I mean, 6-2 wouldn't have been unheard of. But uh, the fact that we actually pulled away 
4-1 win. Even at 4-1, I wasn't happy until about the 87th minute. Lonergan was probably looking at the bench. Should I go up for this corner? No? All right, I'll leave it. I was seem to have broken that Tuesday he'll do. Who's frightened of Tuesdays anymore? Bring them Tuesdays, on. yeah. When do we well, play Man United? Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. It's written in the stars that we'll win by many. Oh, transfer deadline news. Brighton have offered 150k, rising to 250 plus variables for Billy Painter. Hang on a second. We we need some sort of exciting noise to signify this. We hope this would happen. What we should say is that we're going to interject with any breaking news uh, on the transfer deadline front um, with an exciting noise and we'll tell you what it is. So just do that again, Michael. Hang on, ready? Go. News. (laughs) Brighton. Oh, God, it's moved on the screen. No. um, Brighton have apparently offered 150k, rising to 250k for Billy Painter. And we want more. Apparently, we're still <laughs> negotiating. There's nothing to negotiate. Of course, if you are listening to this, you know how this ends. Think how we feel. Think back 24 hours or 48 or however many. We're we're in the moment. Suggests. Uh, I mean, we will come on to this this news in a minute. But it does suggest there's a for sale contract in the offing, doesn't it? But uh, anyway, back to Hull. For we must sell. Painter. Con- no, that's not worked. Give me a while. When we come back, I might have that. In some kind of shape. Um, so we must sell. Go on. So this whole game as well, the first game where Lonergan really started to look like he was worth the money we'd spent on him and possibly... Oh, what a lot of money. Well, yeah, you know. But there were Premier League teams sniffing around him um, prior to us getting in there, weren't they? Particularly 12 months ago. True. I mean, yeah, he looked in this game, he certainly looked as good as Schmeichel. Didn't get sent off like uh, Schmeichel. That was very which, good. <laughs> yeah, that was... Um, was that the next weekend? Oh, who cares when it was? Let's talk about it now. It wonderful. I just as I, I didn't know he'd been booked, but I was watching on a, a stream that afternoon because there wasn't any important football on, so I just put on this comedy game. And uh, and yeah, I thought I bet Schmeichel's going to boot this because he always does. And when he did, and the red card came out, oh, gales of laughter up and down my road for all the annoyance <laughs> that it used to cause us as well. I, I mean, I, I remember going back to hold the away game, and I swore at him quite a bit. Because yeah. it just annoyed me. Just just get on with it. And it'll cost him one day. And it did, didn't it? His comeuppance. That's what he got. Ha! So, uh, things started looking good against Hull. Then we moved on to the game, the televised game, away to West Ham. Michael, you went to this and I'm guessing were drinking quite a lot. Or... Uh, not too much before the game. So, I've got a, I've got a fairly good memory of it. Uh, we were... We were Bloody good, actually. I was very fearful after they'd scored because the goal had been coming for the first five or ten minutes. But after that, we were the better team for most of it. They looked a lot stronger than us, particularly when the ball was in the air. They, were, As you would expect from an Allardyce team, they won pretty much everything. But, yeah, we, we matched them all over the pitch, I thought. Especially when John Carew came on and he was towering over everybody. I always thought Kisnorbo, big fellow, but no. Yeah, he was made to yeah. look very small by both him and Carlton Cole. Which made, it sort of made me realise that people always go on about the lower leagues being more physical. And then you saw those two and you think, well, they're from, they're from the Premiership and they're both absolute monsters compared to anything <laughs> you come across on a normal week-to-week basis. Were you singing uh, You're Just a Shit Trezor Candle at either or both of them? Uh, yeah, yeah. It was, I think it was just at Cole. Was that right. <laughs> yeah, they, were, they seemed a bit one-dimensional, I thought. They were very much an Allardyce team, long-throwing, set-pieces pretty much as you would expect. But from open play, they didn't they didn't create very much. Well, it brings me on to Scott Parker, who looks like he's on his way to Spurs, doesn't it, with a transfer deadline. Hang on. Adam Clayton, star of the show, completely dominated proceedings at, at Upton Park, the Berlin ground. There's really nothing for Scott Parker to do at West Ham this season, so he may as well just go. Sam Allardyce probably just looks at him. Not quite sure what he's for. Play, you played for England, you say? What, what position? Really? You fullback? No, not, not sure about this. Or is a red apple swoop into the slightly frail-looking midfielder? <laughs> Count on me. It'll be after Clayton next. I had to rely on Twitter for my information on that game because not only did I manage not see the game, I was at a family do. So under the table, I had my phone relying on the decent people of Twitter to keep getting, the, uh, getting the elbow from the wife. Put your right, phone yeah, away. Yeah, I'm fucking off to the bog for. I don't want to know about that. Oh, right, what you on about? It was a, it was a funeral. It was that. <laughs> Clayton's late equaliser felt like a winner, didn't it? And he seemed to enjoy it. And I think he pretty much deserved it as man of the match. It was nice to see that none of the Leeds players who were crowd surfed their way into the away end got anything like... Did they even get told off by the referee? Nothing. Well played, sir. He was quite sensible with his cards, wasn't he, if I recall correctly? Although I thought he 
I mean, I've not seen any replays of it, but I thought they should have had a few players booked because they seem to be kicking Gradle. I mean, good on them now. <laughs> but at the time, they seemed we to need, be... We needed the cash. We couldn't afford to have him injured. <clears throat> they seemed to be scything him down every time he got got past them. I, th- I thought they should have maybe dished a few out then. But yeah, as a comparison to the Middlesbrough game, when uh, there'd been about eight men sent off. But it was also... Um, Good to see players run into the crowd because that won't be possible at West Ham soon unless you're willing to <laughs> run the 100 metres. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Go across 200, 200 yards of track. Uh, good finish from Paddy Kisnorbo in this game as well, wasn't it? He, he took that well. Unstoppable. Did, yeah. Top corner. Better striker than Max Gradle. At least he can uh, finish from 12 yards without without too much bother. And we managed to not get anybody sent off as well in this game, which is a, a bonus. Yeah, a change yeah. these days. And again, I didn't write this particular section in the notes, but Sam Allardyce, asexual. Are you responsible for this, Moscow? Uh, you've got to bear in mind... Put it in context. <laughs> what, that I was kept awake all night by wasps? Yeah. Yeah, so I only had like two hours sleep last night because my flat has got a... It's not an infestation yet, but they're, they're <laughs> gathering. <laughs> like War of the Worlds, they're gathering their forces against me. So when I got to work this morning at a, a dreadfully early hour, having had no sleep, I wrote um, my, the notes for this game. Clayton's winner, quote, was sexy. Kisnobo's own goal, not sexy. Sam Allardyce, asexual. Beyond Predator, uh, you missed off. <laughs> <laughs> I have no further comments to make. And so this was because wasps are invading your house, just to... Um, house, luxury, attic. Yeah, yeah, they're in. They're underneath the slates of my uh, my attic flat. Uh, my landlord, who uh, I spoke to while I was at work today, doesn't seem particularly to give a toss. So, is he trying to sting you for your rent there? Hey, there it is. There's the sting reference. Right, Doncaster away in the League Cup. Hard work, but we got there in the end. And Super Ramon Nunes, answer to our prayers, coming through with a couple of great goals in the AIDS capital of the North. Is that right? That is true. Yeah, there was a documentary. It's probably worth looking up. They were uh, both positive finishes from Nunes. Uh, <laughs> the, um, the quick turnaround in games meant Grayson dropped a few players. Yeah, arrested them. We were, so, we were mocking Doncaster with our selection. <laughs> what Andy O'Brien, Andy in, O'Brien this, yeah, yeah. in the side? Was he looking a bit shaky in that game or what? He's looked shaky for months. Man, I didn't see him over summer. I'm not suggesting he's got a drink problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't bode well when. Um, when they went ahead so early, I did think, oh, this is going to be just grind. As we lose 3-0 probably, and then we might get a disconsolate goal. But, but then it's Mickey Mouse Cup. Yeah, we wouldn't have cared at that point. The next round, so. Yeah, at that, at that point, we were just there's always that thing, well, we've probably only got Bolton and lose. Yeah. Don't want that. But uh, Nunes obviously was well up for a trip to the Reebok Stadium because you don't often see a player on the volley pick his spot quite the way. He did. And it looks like he's going to come to more prominence, doesn't it, as the season now unfolds. And um, last game in this particular band of matches, away to Ipswich. Frustration, I think, probably the overriding emotion for this. None of us went to this, as far as we're aware, did we? No. No. I was actually round at Michael's house and he he filled me with meat. That is true. What kind of meat? Dare we ask? Pork. Loin. Stuffing. There was was beef and lamb as well. In case you hadn't figured it out, it was a barbecue, not... um, not anything else. <laughs> Don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, it was late invitation. Enjoyed that. Barbecue. Lots of meat. Anyway, yeah. Um, well, was good, the, the key point being that it nicely removed us away from the dreadful heartache of uh, of another late defeat. Well, yeah, well, you two were shagging. I was listening to this game on the radio. <laughs> and it sounded like we'd, uh, we'd carried on quite well from Hull and West Ham with a high-tempo... Um, just a good performance with really, I mean, Ipswich were were begging to be hammered, much as I imagine you were at Michael's Barbecue <laughs> after the the debacle against uh, Peterborough. And if we'd managed to keep 11, 11 men all together, very much as I imagine was <laughs> at the barbecue, I'm fairly confident we would have had a, a proper victory. But poor old Aidan White got... Uh, <laughs> Clattered from behind <laughs> and pulled off. <laughs> Much as I imagine happened at, uh, at Michael's barbecue, and um, and we ended up losing. Much as I imagine most of the uh, people the morning after Michael's barbecue felt. It was a- if they could still feel. <laughs> it was a job cleaning up that sauna. I'm telling you. But yeah, Aiden White sent off for nothing. Another shit ref. He's supposed to. Well, no, he's not supposed to be good. He, I'll just say that because we know his name and he so. I've never been comfortable with him being a dirter. You want, yeah, because that indicates a missing letter. So, what was it? 
And why why is he hiding it? <laughs> what's his what's his secret shame hidden hidden in that? Jason Scotland got his annual goal against us and yeah. there was a certain air of inevitability about Keith Andrews, Keith Bloody Andrews as it says here in the notes, bagging the winner. Could have signed him. Yeah. Didn't know. Hideous deflection though. Yeah. Fluky. Lonergan did look too good with um Scotland's one. There's um, been some debate about whether he's good on long shots. Yeah. It's there's there's better keepers than him who can't save long shots. Yeah. I don't think that's a but big then, issue. I mean, his West Ham performance where he, we were, he was saving header after header from about two yards. Fantastic. But if he has to watch a ball for any amount of distance, I guess he just starts wondering. Well, he starts thinking, I wonder what's happening at uh, Michael's barbecue. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. But um, yeah, nothing you could do about Keith Andrews' winner. Apart from, we, we could have done something about Keith Andrews' winner by signing him. And then he would have been scoring winners for us. Or he probably just would have been sent off by Durso for nothing. So, the- so this run of matches, three games in the league, win, draw, loss. Would you have taken that before we played them? Yeah. See, we were staring at our worst start of the season for 70 years or whatever it was we decided on last time. Not, yeah. a, ba- not a bad performance in there either, which is, no. which is the encouraging thing. Had we scraped four points, it'd be different, but realistically it could have been nine. Right then, the obvious place to start in this section of the Square Ball podcast is the departure of Max Gradle, transfer deadline day. Um, We're back in the war room. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Let's get the charts. Um, They're advancing along the Western Front. (laughs) There's a lot to say about this. Um, Where do we start? No one's really surprised, are they? It's worth saying, despite the fact that uh, about a week ago, Ken Bates said he's definitely not going anywhere. Do you want the exact quote? Why not? Max Gradle is not going anywhere, and that's the end of the matter. So I just put a noise on just to make it more exciting. There we go. Oh, okay. So, yeah, lo and behold, that, that proved not to be true. Nobody really blinked, did they? It was inevitable, as we just said, but is it the way that the club's conducted itself again with the message it's sending out about players not departing and then they depart? It's people losing faith in the stuff coming out of the club. It's worth saying it wouldn't be sensible to say, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to go, because that just means the price you get for them would reduce. But just in the light of the general respect fans are treated with, which we'll come on to again in a, in a little while, just it, it all kind of reflects badly on the, the output of the club. Just to, it's just worth to re-highlight the, the, the words. Max Gradle is not going anywhere and that's the end of the matter. You see, that's the price of having a chairman doing a weekly radio address and, and his detailed programme notes. If he didn't do that, he would never have had to say that. So we wouldn't have had this now to turn around and go, I don't know. Well, ha. Ben Fry's quite quite tough with the question. He would have doorstepped him. <laughs> you see, I was actually going to make exactly the same point that he does this through choice on his own radio station. It's like, give yourself enough rope and you'll hang yourself. It's just, it's true, he didn't have to say anything. I mean, he sets the bloody questions. He didn't have to answer the questions that he's setting, did he? <laughs> no comment, Ben. That would have been fine. <laughs> And it just damages the relationship that the fans have with the club because nobody's believing a blooming word that's coming out of the club now. Yeah, I mean, reading over the, um, the statement that the club say, Max put in a transfer request saying he wanted to go back to France. We refused to sell him to a, an English promotion rival, <laughs> which apparently includes Newcastle. I think generally people just look at it and just go, yeah, probably very little that's true. And then Max Gradle's saying, you know, oh, I'm going to further my career and really disappointed to leave Leeds and I was kind of going hmm, I don't really believe any of that either and it's just What do you make of it touch of the mercenaries about it? From both sides I think probably I think Gradle's probably looked at it and thought if I stay here I can either wait until the end of the year risk getting injured and hope for a, hope for another contract or I can leave now get more money probably get if he's playing in France probably get selected for the Ivory Coast more often just generally as he says further his career But he will have seen the likes of Johnson and Kilkenny getting treated like shit in the press from Bates, being slagged off for being greedy. Bates has a value on what he's worth and he thinks that a players are greedy and, and it, want more. So It doesn't sound like we've actually offered him anything to stay anyway. It's, I was reading, there was an interview with um, Neil Kilkenny, drifted past my eyes today, and um, he, he described the two contract offers he got from leaders incredibly disappointing. And so if we're offering Kilkenny incredibly disappointing contracts and we're offering Max Gradle nothing, then he might as well say to his agent, oh, don't think this 
club is particularly going anywhere, I may as well see if I can go to France. You made a good point on the forum, Moscow, was it? You mentioned that there's almost like a glass ceiling. Yeah, well, this is all that seems, this is, seems to be exactly what happens now. I'll be very relieved if we keep Snodgrass today because I'm just in that kind of mood. But since we're getting players at a, a young age with a, a lot of potential from various different places, whether like Becchio was a, a trialist that turned up great or we picked him from Leicester's reserves. And then as soon as they look good and they perform well enough that you think, we'll give them a, a new long-term contract, the club just says, well, we're not giving new long-term contracts because they're too expensive. And so the player goes, well, I'll go then. if Because they're now, they are playing to a standard that is worth a certain amount of money and it is more than Leeds United are willing to pay. So any player that we get that plays really well, we'll have to let them go because we won't pay them to be that good. We've touched on it before when, when I've said that the way we are with transfers now, we seem to have the attitude of someone like Scunthorpe or Crew, who accepts that they'll have a high turnover of players and when they get someone who's genuinely very good, they just think, oh well, we'll have him for a little while and then he'll be gone and he'll be good somewhere else. But then we've got to try and find the next the next level of player, which is fine when you're getting attendances of 6,000 and paying not very much for it. But when you've got the kind of financial backing that our fans give the club, you would hope they'd show a bit of ambition from time to time and actually keep a player. And the problem is it ends up, we end up with a... Because players like Gradle don't come along all the time and we end up with squads filled with Bassonis and painters because there are other players that have taken a punt on and it hasn't worked. But we have to keep them because they're just, there's no... Contracts. Of, yeah, because they've got a contract and and it's just, I mean... I haven't done a proper look at the squad, but we don't see... I can't think that we've got many players, and certainly not any good ones, who are between the ages of 25 and 30 when a footballer is really, really good. We've either got young players with potential who will probably end up fulfilling that potential somewhere else, or we've got old geezers on the way down, like O'Brien and Brown, whose best days are behind them. And nothing in between that's, that will make us into a really good team and, and, and loads of mediocre 27-year-olds. Yeah. We have no one in their peak right now to take us forward. Exactly. And if Clayton is the is the next one, if Clayton carries on this season like he has done, we're not going to give him an improved contract at the end of the season. He'll just go. We set a precedent for um, uh, Snodgrass next season when he runs into his final year that he, he knows now he's not going to get a good deal out of Leeds. He'll already be looking at potential moves his agent. Well, that's what worries me today. If Wigan came in tonight and said seven million quid, Snodgrass, I'm sure, but right transfer request because Gradle's gone. <clears throat> if that's what's happening this season, I'll be off. You he's already seen how players are treated by Bates running into the final year of the contract, so he's he's not going to be bothered about leaving now. There'll be no loyalty from him now, I don't think. And these idiots, they talk to each other because he'll go to Wigan, <laughs> and if they've got any players there that we've been fancying, look at, he'll just go, yeah, you go. They won't pay you very much, and then and the the team's not really coming together in any way move to Crystal Palace go there might be better but as Michael said if you're a team like Scunthorpe you have an expectancy of what you're going to achieve the kind of players you're going to get but we're paying top whack for ticket prices highest attendances in the league we've got a massive income from sales of tickets that should be reinvested I mean, I've already invested in, in the team for this season last year yeah Bates always takes his his sort of moral high ground that these players are all greedy mercenaries who don't deserve this money and that's true but when we buy match tickets we're kind of that's us buying into that bargain where we're saying we know they're probably overpaid wankers but we'll give you all this you give it to them and we'll watch them be really good at football and then everybody will just be generally happy with that deal not to give all that money to the club and then somewhere in between us paying it at the ticket office and the players going somewhere else to do something else. Well, we said, hold on a minute, I thought I thought Bradley Johnson was going to get a bit of this and, and, you know, play football and stuff. Well, according to the last set of accounts, which is the ones running up to the promotion from League One season, we contributed 63% of the turnover through ticket sales and merchandise sales alone. That's not included, I guess, anything corporate. So there's probably more from fans in there too. So do you think our money's been invested wisely? Nope. It, no. <laughs> okay, short answer. <laughs> to return to three words you just said then, Michael, um, a moment ago about turnover of players. Is it good for the squad to see this many players coming through all the time? We're having to bring seven or eight players through every time, 
every season, every transfer window almost, in order just to keep the numbers up. Is, is this a good way to move forward as a football mm-hmm. team? When were we last not looking for improvements? Squad? I mean, I suppose every team is always, they'll say they're looking for better players, but there's never been a time where we've not gone, we desperately need a centre midfielder or we really need new uh, full-backs. We don't, we don't have a left back. I mean, transfer window's still open. Hang on. Yep, there you go. <laughs> but at the time of speaking, we're making do with uh, with kids, which we'll come on to in a, in a bit. Let's wrap this bit up on Max. Um, how do you sort of look back on his time at Leeds from start to finish as a whole? Bit of a mad bastard. <laughs> Some great times in there. I mean, from the first season when he was just used as a super sub um, and then all of last season, he was our best player. Player of the year for a reason, wasn't he? But yeah. I'll miss his short, scampering legs. And I suppose, and I suppose it's true that if he had uh, ruined our promotion chances last season, um, he would never have been forgiven. But I mean, look back now and laugh. <laughs> and <laughs> who, how, who doesn't ever watch that <coughs> clip and just think, "Oh, Max"? <laughs> <laughs> it's seven thirty now, uh, transfer deadline day. And, um, I think we can leave it on the noises now. You think? I think, I think people have had enough. All right, it's seven thirty now. I mean, there's, there's still you know a couple of hours to go. Is it eleven o'clock? The deadline. If Painter uh, actually moves before the end of this podcast, we're getting the noises back. Okay. <laughs> How do you view the window so far? Because we've brought in quite a bit of money. Schmeichel's gone. Now Max has gone. We're looking at let's say what a conservative estimate: three, four, maybe five million pounds. We've got Lonergan in, Brown in, a couple of loans. We've got a lot of spare money. Hundred thousand for Lonergan. Nothing for Brown, nothing for OD. Oh, but the signing on fees and the Wages. pipe maintenance. Uh, and agents fees, which uh, we paid, was it three quarters of a million last season? Was the figures? The highest again. Yeah. In the league. Well, sixth highest. Oh, I thought it was. Sixth. Oh, sorry. Trust me. I stand correct. Um, one person who's not coming in then, uh, Lee High, is out for four months injured. Rumours on the wires that we were in for, for Eric Lee High would have been nice because we're apparently after a left back, so... Mm. He seems He's a right back though. He is, yeah. He can play left, can't yeah. he? We won't be getting Lansbury because it looks like he's going to West Ham. Would we like to see him despite his stupid dance for Norwich at Ellen Road last season? No, I'm glad. We've, uh, I don't consider that missing out. Okay. It now, would have been amusing for the murder she wrote puns. Beyond that, don't care. And fresh news breaking. That, sorry. Billy Painter could be on his way to Brighton. Brighton, uh, well, if you've been following stuff on Twitter, I'll just briefly explain. There's a guy called Duncan Castles who's a, who's a journalist who seems to be in the know, doesn't he, about things at the club. And we suspect he's been leaked information out of the club. He's saying that Brighton have stuck 150000 in, possibly rising to a quarter of a million with add-ons and all sorts to get Painter down to the south coast. I mean, would you sell? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, mean, I don't have a strong feeling against painter as such but clearly it's not working doesn't feel like it'll ever work Gus Poye will probably turn him into a bloody goal machine partnering with Mikhail Smith and this guy they've signed used to play for Valencia and it's on that note would that sort of be a damning indictment on Simon Grayson um, mm, yeah, really. well, too many sometimes, factors sometimes to things just don't work out for players do they it always happens that like look at Gradle now we've just we're all mourning his loss and then <laughs> But Leicester let him go for 200 grand. It just doesn't work out sometimes. Faces don't fit. Players don't get on with the crowd well. And, and they were reportedly linked with signing him back again, weren't they? Yes, they were. The yeah. And they'd have been entitled to a percentage of the fee. So <laughs> yeah. got, we, we did that once, didn't we? I think. Can't We'd remember. probably Scott lost Sellers. money on the deal, wouldn't we? It was, it was Scott, Scott Sellers, Sellers wasn't it? Yeah. When we, uh, we, yeah. we bought him and sold him and sold him or bought him. And... We bought him back for a million, but it was just £900,000 because we had a 10% sell on clause. <laughs> Beautiful. But, um, like perpe- In the days when we did good business. The perpetual loop. The world will collapse in on itself. Grella, contract terminated. He's on his way to uh, to Brentford now. He's been there for a bit already. Yeah. He went, went on low. Scored the other night, in fact, in the in the JPT, I think it was. I'm sure I saw his name pop up somewhere. He oh. likes the JPT. Good so on I him. I think that's yeah. his tournament. I've got a feeling with Grella, he actually might be a good player for someone. I know we never saw much of him, and it's the fashionable thing to say is crap, but I occasionally saw little bits of him that suggested he might be an all right footballer. It was a fashionable thing for a while to say that he was the next, the best thing since sliced bread. He well, was that, the new yeah, Pelé that's, for, that's the way it went for a bit. And, but now everyone says he's crap, is the way it seems to have gone. But yeah. You can't wish him bad luck. He's, he's not done anything particularly I wish he shaved his beard, though. I saw, him, I saw him walking through Leeds with Ramoncito, as he refers to him as on Twitter the <laughs> was, other day. And, was and Davide he, not there? <laughs> no, Davide. I, maybe he was limping behind with his injury. But it, awful beard. 
Awful. Where were they going? Uh, I don't know. They were kind of outside the Evening Post building. Because we had a spotting of uh, Lonergan was spotted yesterday in Nando's alone with a book, which was very intriguing. A footballer with a book? Are you sure it wasn't a comic? <laughs> no, it was uh, It was definitely reported as a green hardback book. But we couldn't get any more information than that. Well, we'll have to try and find out what that is. Um, back to the topic at hand then. Still rumours about Klingon at Coventry. Remains to be seen whether we try and uh, get him in before the deadline at 11 o'clock tonight. He was the one with a vast difference in valuations, though, wasn't he? Yeah, they want money. We don't want to give them money. Yeah, Unlikely sort of coming yeah. in. Uh, should give a final mention, I guess, to Jermaine Beckford, who looks like he's on his way to Leicester for lots of money. He's bound to score against us. Yeah, four and a half million pounds. Last game of the season. You see them get promoted. Those get relegated. He's quite good on the last day of the season, oh, come on. It, it's still early season. Let's be optimistic and... Believe in Nunes. No I reckon option. if that was the case, so I reckon he wouldn't score. I had that funny feeling as yeah. well. I don't. I think he might refuse to play <laughs> in that instance. Right. Well, that's the uh, the transfer deadline news as far as we can accommodate it so far at this time of the night. So let's move on to other stuff that's happened in this fortnight. I mean, it feels like old news now, but Ken Bates calling our fans morons. Um, yeah, that's the, generally the only other thing that's happened is our chairman slagged us all off. He didn't slag all of us off, did he? It was, it was only the people who were dancing and shouting uh, at the protest. Well, as long as you don't fall into one of these other categories. Immigrants, single mothers, Chinese. And even if you fall into one of those, then he's had a bit of a pop at you as well. That, um, that remark about the sweet and sour pork was in particularly bad taste, wasn't it? It's just, he's turned the programme into like a real low-quality version of the Daily Mail, which is saying something. <laughs> it's so unnecessary as well. It's all things that he can just keep his nose out of, like, I don't I don't give a damn what he thinks about single mothers. I just don't particularly want it printed in the Leeds United match day magazine for, you know... Four pounds? For four pounds to read a senile, allegedly senile, no evidence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of fucking evidence. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. <laughs> old man actually allegedly old could we do we really know how old he is? anyway it's just it's not seemly and then turning it all on um on leeds fans as well morons that's nice so sick pots tick dissidents my personal favorite tick and now morons tick what's it going to be next week who knows who knows? Maybe one of the other insults from the 1940s. The thing is, Ken's, um, Ken's policy has traditionally been divide and conquer, hasn't it? And this seems designed to do the same sort of thing, doesn't it? You know, insult a section of fans to try and get people on side. But it seems to be having the opposite effect. People are kind of now turning against him for this. And There's a lot of arguments going on between Leeds fans as well, though. 
people saying we should do something about him, shouldn't do something about him. So I don't know how much of it's just in a tough guy posturing, but there's also people arguing in, in the grounds from time to time. But there always is. That's a problem with Leeds fans. Yeah. A room full of Leeds fans. The morons, that's what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. It's fucking right. If we were just arguing in our usual moronic way, that would be fine. <laughs> but when we're arguing about this old bearded smurf, it just seems... It's a waste of a good argument, frankly. We need to argue about something worthwhile. Billy Painter. Mike Grella's beard. <laughs> I think it's nice. You're wrong. The Squareball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. Right then, let's talk about young boys. Of course, I'm referring to the youth team and its prospect to Ellen Road. And we mentioned this because, well, Leeds don't seem to be signing all that many players. And this has been a season where people like Tom Lees and so on, the Turner Twins, like White, Zach Thompson, all starting to come through into the first team squad, whether by accident or by design. So let's talk about the youth and how well it served Leeds United in years gone by. I mean, we've obviously had the... Uh, Living the Dream Era team, that was one of the particularly successful times that the youth team was uh, in place at Ellen Road. Oh, all pissed off. <laughs> and then asked some out somebody <laughs> elsewhere. Well, we have spoken before, haven't we? Yeah, that was Wilco's legacy, was that team. And in the interview that we did with him last season, he said it was his dream to manage that team, you know, from creating Thorpe Arch, which has now been burned down or sold, to... Uh, Generally pissed on. Yeah, to creating that team and the facility to managing the products of it. And it's unfortunate that he never got to see that through, we have said before. It's kind of, it is the Leeds United way a bit. I mean, the whole reason Leeds United is a, a proud club ever was because Reeve brought through a bunch of 15-year-old boys and kept them there till they were well, in the 40s, I think. <laughs> with, but looking at some of them. But then, I suppose in, in that era, 15-year-old boys looked like 40-year-old men. Often, that's why they were such heavy smokers. They'd already been working like... for, the, for five or six years. <laughs> I do remember an occasion, you know, I think it was about 1987 at the very tail end of uh, Lorimer's career and he was, you know, he was still playing uh, in the mid-80s. And I remember a youth team prospect came through who was called Lyndon Simmons and I think it was the season of the the Burton kit, you know, with the, 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 the diagonal yeah. lines on it. Brilliant. And Lyndon Simmons came through, and it's funny to think that in an era when Leeds United got to such a low point, that Lasher was still playing for us. You know, it's it's a funny thing. Him and uh, David Harvey were sort of last to last to leave with Bremner as manager and Hunter on the staff. But it, it that was um, I think that's why we have such an affection for the idea of youth players coming through. Is because you always think that that love for a club is going to be instilled to the point where. Unlike, for example, Max Gradle when St Etienne comes sniffing around, they'll actually puff the chest out and say, no, I'm a Leeds player. Perhaps in a Yorkshire accent even. <laughs> and um, and they'll stay just for just for pure love of the club and attachment. There is a very special thing about players that come through the youth team, aren't they? I mean, I know we can you can look at Alan Smith and see his future indiscretion, shall we say, which divides opinion, so let's not go there too much but you know you can see the pride with which they wear the shirt and it does mean something really special to players that's certainly how we see it whether or not it's the actual case you don't know I suppose because like you looked at Smith and you thought he'll never sign for Man U Harry Kewell he looks like he seems like a good lad (coughs) well Smith famously said he'd never sign never play for Man United didn't he and he didn't yeah oh no (laughs) you had your batties and your speeds although he wasn't Leeds born came through the system you felt that he had an affinity with the team the club, the city, and you like to see homegrown talent coming through, as Michael said, even though they may not play in the manner you want them to play in or think that they, they are leads through and through. Although Speed, in the case of Speed, I think when he moved on, I think there was a general feeling that it was time for him to move I on. I think it was time for him. And his heart yeah. was at Everton a little yeah. bit, you sort of sensed, didn't you? This boyhood club, that's fair enough. But yeah. there's no. But then the, the flip side of that would be someone like Simon Grayson, who came through at exactly the same time. Didn't get into the the team um, to the same degree that Batty and Speed did, and ended up playing really well for Leicester and Villa. But probably a bigger Leeds fan than either of them. So that's a, I don't know what that proves. <laughs> proves something though. But he came back. He did come back, and you know you you do. I mean that's where Batty let everybody down a little bit. Where we all thought he was a, a Leeds. You know, slept underneath the Leeds duvet cover with the Leeds lampshade every night, and actually, it turned out that he didn't particularly like football. <laughs> As well, he did. He did take a milk crate on the low fields or whatever it was when he was a boy. But then, he, I guess, once it became a job for him, 
the the batty whatever stardust had uh, had first bedazzled him turned to uh, just slag heaps of of disdain. I was going to say duty. Yeah, he seemed to really, if you read his autobiography, fall out with the game. He seemed to just like fall out of love with the whole premise of it, the way it went. Maybe that was a, a product of the Premier League and uh, what it turned into. I blame Blackburn Rovers. And Carlton Palmer. Yeah, for most of the 1990s. <laughs> all, all that was wrong in the 1990s were Blackburn Rovers, Carlton Palmer. But um, And then in the 1990s as well, we see the, I guess, the flip side, the danger of uh, of relying too heavily on youth, which perhaps we, well, we don't know how this will turn out that we've got in the team at the moment, but but the the we were really, really trying to make a team out of, sort of Noel Whelan and Rob Bowman and Andy Cousins and Jason Blunt and, and I always remember... If you saw them at the Masters, that team's come together. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was Mark Jackson there? No. Because no. I always remember Mark Jackson stayed for absolutely ages and then we finally sold him and the, his uh, his number 29 shirt. They must have thought about retiring it, but then Rio Ferdinand, no, I want that. Mark Jackson wore that shirt. Give it to me. Which is <laughs> ironic because... He's still Man- going. Is, Mark, uh, Jackson. Well, Mark Jackson, Man United fan. Very big Man United fan yeah. as well, wasn't he? Mark, I thought it was Mark Ford. Mark Ford was. Mark Jackson, I'm thinking of a different one, aren't I? <laughs> Mark Ford was the... Uh, the Bald-headed one who everyone thought was the new Batty. Yeah, because yeah, he was bald. <laughs> yeah, he looked a bit like him. Yeah, he, sorry. He always used to dance around with Lee Sharp for the goal celebrations. It was Mark Jackson was completely anonymous and uh, really no good. Hi, if you're listening, Mark. Mark Jackson's still playing for uh, Farsley, by the way. Well then, I, I believe he's still crap. Three cheers to your longevity, good sir. It was funny that era, wasn't it? Because it was the last vestige of hope in a really, really poor season in 92-93 after winning the title. The kids will be fine. And they were fine for that game. And I remember the end of season video and it was, uh, was it specials? Too much, too young? I think they played over the top of the uh, the highlights of the of the youth team uh, victory against Man United. I don't think it was, was it? Specials. Was it not? It? Oh, it was someone's cover version of Too Much, Too Young. Maybe. Uh I don't have a VHS player anymore. I'll have to lend it to you, Moscow, to, <laughs> I've already to, got to it. find out. <laughs> that was a dreadful end of season video, and I don't know why I bought it. Ninety two, ninety three. Yeah, for um, that game. Yeah, for that game. I that actually, overhead kick. I have all ninety minutes of that on VHS. It was a bit of an anticlimax, wasn't it, to see none of those players really make the grade? I mean, Whelan went on to do a little bit, but fizzled out. And yeah, Forrester got good cash his, money uh, for Whelan. Forrester had his his sort of journeyman lower league striker career and turned out reasonably well but the rest of them they all just drifted away to lower league clubs some of them probably not soon enough which was was a thing we were still persisting with like Jason Blunt as late as the 97 Coca-Cola Cup final they were around and about the place yeah Andy Cousins as well he was around even George Graham era he played he scored didn't he in fact in George Graham's Graham's first first game game. and then he was retired about (laughs) three years later it didn't work out at Hartlepool or something that was that well, a couple of years after that, then we moved on to that team that Wilco's uh, academy produced. You know, Kewell, Smith, Hart, Woodgate, Robinson, all sold off one by one as uh, as our dream imploded. I think it just it shows that what you really, if you're going to put young players in the team, they have to be any good. There's always this sort of fallback position of oh, just stick the kids in. But if the kids are Jason Blunt and Mark Jackson. Don't stick the kids in. If it's Jonathan Woodgate and uh, Alan Smith, play them pre-puberty if possible. But it's it's got to be about more than just... Um, just sticking them in. Yeah, just trying them. Well, you look to the next crop, don't you? Like You've got Fraser Richardson who came through, Kilgallen, Lennon, Milner, Delph, all players who went on to have you know varying degrees of success, but for the most part, decent careers in the, in the top few leagues. It kind of worked, but not for us. If you look at Richardson and Kilgallen, I suppose the two that didn't really shine, but you wondered how different that might have been if they'd had the advantages that, say, Kewell and Hart had had of coming into a really good team. Because, I mean, I'm not convinced that in the, in the end, Fraser Richardson was really that much worse than Ian Hart. Just Ian Hart happened to be playing in a much better team. And then Lennon, Milner and Delph. Delph, he's getting there this year, but Lennon and Milner, I guess, in particular, show if you're playing, you know, a good team and you're a good player you can uh, you can move to Manchester City for untold millions which brings us I guess on to 
the current crop. The names we mentioned a little bit further back in the podcast there, Aidan White, Lees, Leeds, sorry, Tom Leeds, uh, Zach Thompson, Turner Twins. How much do we know about them? Are well, they any good? I worry about the Turner Twins in particular. Why? It's because they sound like characters from a Tintin cartoon. <laughs> it's feel like somebody's going to try and steal them away and do experiments on them in a cave. <laughs> you can see somebody... Frank Anderson, probably. <laughs> somebody running out saying that you've, you've it's all gone wrong in there <laughs> the Turner twins are dead <laughs> they can't be saved how dare you steal my lines this is what I was saying about <laughs> on the way of this discussion on the way back from London saying what have you done the, t- the twins are dead <laughs> they won't go back together now <laughs> I just want to put it back boss well, the one product of the Youth Academy that's in the side now, captain in the team, Johnny Housen, again, another figure that sort of divides opinion. Do you think he's all that, or are you not convinced by him? He's just that he just sort of straddles the, the margin of being good enough to stay without people being interested. Because he's into the final year of his contract, of course, isn't he? So, you know, if, if somebody nabbed him in the way they have done Gradle, would you be as as bothered? I mean, would we miss him more when he's gone? Probably. Birmingham were ruined to be interested for a couple of million. and So he's obviously rated, he's probably rated more outside of Leeds. You often hear Steve Claridge or, or somebody will be purring about what a midfield star Jonathan Nelson is, whereas I think in Leeds we're kind of, are you really the captain? Really? Soft Johnny? It's not, we don't, I don't know if we always appreciate him. Appreciate him. It could be all that if he did it a little bit more, more often in games. Well, this this brings us back to uh, the recent blog posting, doesn't it? That uh, we had from Mardi Tam on our, our website saying that Housen perhaps would be more effective in a proper number tens role behind a front man, you know, than being thrust into the uh, the blood and thunder of central midfield. I mean, I think he. I disagree with that post slightly because I think he's an acceptable central midfielder. I post on there that the the problem with him is that we plays too much and that people get sick of him. People like. <laughs> He's never dropped, and people prefer when people have been out of the team for a bit. Not even dropped, but rested a bit. Yeah, yeah. he's not rested, he never gets injured, he never gets suspended, apart from recently. Um, so we just have to see him every week and just think, there must be someone someone back there who'd do a better job, but probably not. Well, hopefully Clayton might bring him on this season, take a bit of pressure off him, if Clayton's been more dynamic. Yeah, Clayton's kind of the... Um... The engine room, the water carrier. I was going to say the the youth product that isn't our product come from the Manchester City Someone Academy. Else's youth yeah, he's he's done the reverse trip because so many of our players have, have gone to Man City's academy. So staying at Thorpe Arch, he's come the other way and looks really good this year. In ways that he seems to have secured himself in the team in ways that like Lees and White who were playing quite a lot so far this season, but was people still you know Tom Leeds. Sorry, Dan has got hundreds hundred league games for. Um, Berry and Accrington or wherever it was. Everyone's still about, mm, not quite as convinced. But he looks assured when he's playing. That's Apart from you know, when he's scoring in his own but he did, goal. <laughs> you could tell he was obviously gutted. He obviously did, did it at the cop end as well. But then he was determined to do something about it. And he did score a goal, a good goal at that. It's hard. To, I mean, there, there seems to be that um, rush to either praise them to the heavens or write them off immediately, whereas as well... Like Aidan White, who seems to have been around forever, but he's, still, he's, he's not even 19 yet, or if he is, he's just barely... Come on, he needs to sort himself out. Left back, left wing, which choose? Well, practically a kid still, just... Give him time. Give him time. And we'll find out if he's a Gary Kelly or a Jason Blunt. Sorry, I'll keep raising Jason Blunt as the, uh, as the he, nadir of our youth team. wrong for you? <laughs> <laughs> have you got a particular memory you need to share? He, the only thing I can think of is he had that sort of centre parting crab haircut that Ian Hart had as well when he came through that I never particularly cared for. Apart from that, fine fellow. I mean, everyone loves to see the kids coming through, especially Leeds fans. But you know, come, we also like to see some proven players in the side. Well, I think that's part of the the worry with White and Leeds and Thompson and Icantina. <laughs> 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 Is that they're playing out of necessity? It's because we haven't bought anybody for these positions. So, I mean, Tom Lee's the reckoning is he's a he's a centre back. But says, well, you'll just have to play right back. Cause we're we're we stockpiling him at the minute. Aren't we, we ain't got any, so you'll just have to play there. And that's not really the ideal situation. Well, we'll watch things unfold 
within interest, I guess, for all these players to see how they fare this season because it looks like they're going to be given the opportunity to prove themselves. And hopefully, is it worth mentioning Joe Mewis's? Yeah, um, I was about to come on to that and just say, um, if you want to see how the academy uh, system is going to change over the next year or two, it is worth having a look on the blog. Go to the squareball.net. Um, and read John Mewis's blog post about um, the forthcoming changes to academy systems that could really hamper our chances at attracting the best youth talent. More or less everyone's chances, apart yeah, from the best few, clubs. A few very rich clubs. The ones who don't need to particularly... <laughs> the ones who develop players to not play them, probably. But then again, you know, that sort of system has given us Adam Clayton, so who knows, you know, we, we, might, we might benefit from it in other ways. And look at players to go the other way as well. Didn't we allegedly get four and a half million for... Woods and Tyro, and they're Chelsea. Both, yeah, they're both scrubbing around lower league shit at the minute, trying to <laughs> trying to hold together a career while the ki- parents' kitchens that they got bought for them are probably probably got doors hanging off and uh, <laughs> scuffs on the surface. So do you know what? Good. I'm glad you failed you too. <laughs> That's a bit harsh, but still. Into the final part of the Square Ball podcast. There's no news from transfer deadline day as yet. Uh, so we'll move straight on to the previews. And because it's International Week, we only have the one match to preview in this bit. And that's Crystal Palace on Saturday, the 10th of September. Doogie Friedman, one-time loanee, did well for us. Doogie Friedman. Doogie. Doogie. He's Doogie to me. Doogie Hauser. <laughs> He's not an MD either. No. He was always, I always feel like it's one of those affairs you look back on fondly with Friedman. Where nothing, you, there was no real ever falling out. You just never managed to really get it together for just longer drift, term. Just drifted apart. Didn't even drift apart. Just it was more like a. She was a little bit older. <laughs> yeah, you knew you knew it was never going to be right between you. But when it when you were together, it was magic. No matter how brief. God, I wish we could have kept free. Crystal Palace was very much like his wife, and he's he's, he's ended up back there. Yeah, you always do. I mean, we're changing the sex of. <laughs> Now, but um, this is getting into like Ken's program notes territory <laughs> of uh, slow arousal and foreplay. I understand that Doogie Friedman is very much like a male member. No, although he's um, perhaps very much like a male member, he seems smaller than I remember him. When I'm seeing him interviewed, I was thought he was a. I knew he was kind you of. You were younger a, at the time. He seemed bigger. <laughs> <laughs> he was just kind of a more of a, a skillful player rather than a, a strong, rambunctious type. But I suppose it's what you do with what you've got rather than uh, whether you're a battering ram, which he certainly wasn't. But yeah, he, he seems to be um, making a decent fist of managing Crystal Palace at the moment. Do we have anything to worry about in this game? Crystal Palace. We should be. No players Palace. left? Yeah, transfer yeah. window's still open. We may. Well, the all-important loan window will be opening. Um, on the 7th of September, won't it? So uh... That fucking loan window. <laughs> then the emergency fucking loan window. <laughs> I might just turn my computer off for the next six months. You know what happens when the emergency to... loan window closes, don't you? January transfer window time. <laughs> so horribly, de- the internet the last couple of days has been a horribly depressing place. <sighs> You're looking on the wrong side. Oh, sorry, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I'll just go back to looking at pornography and ignore Leeds United. Seems the best way to do things. We were talking about Palace anyway, weren't we? Do you think that's a secret to Friedman's success at Palace? Just shows them pornography. Now then, lads. <laughs> Before the game, thought we'd all watch this together. Help us relax. Bonding. <laughs> yeah. uh, if that's what he's into, I don't know. That might be a bit niche for some of his players. I think he'd probably just go for more straight down the line. Vanilla stuff. V- vanilla porn, Not yeah. unconventional, yeah. Anyway, let's talk about football, which is... Do they Very, still have one size we, fits all? <laughs> Please, let's get back on track. Um, Palace, at home, will we win? Yes. Yes. Yeah, we'll be fine. Come on, this is one fixture you look at and you think, yes, we can win this, we should win this. Bloody Dougie Freeman. We can never beat him down there, but we should be able to beat him up here. He's only been managing a club for a fortnight and he, all he's doing is showing them porn DVD, so he's obviously doesn't have a clue. We'll be, we'll be fine. Tell that's them that sorted then? Yeah, Next. three points. Because that's the only game before the next time we're due into the studio, perhaps we'll just have a quick look forward to the stuff that is coming after briefly. Um, Kilkenny, don't call it a comeback. He returns to Ellen Road on, uh, is it 17th, is that right? Yeah, some idiot's written Sunday here, but that ain't that ain't true. It's a Saturday, isn't it? Blame the Wasps. Um, they're, they're having a bit of a struggle, aren't they, at the minute? <laughs> In midfield. <laughs> well, he's getting handsomely rewarded for it, so... Uh, Fair play to him if that's what he wants to do. He had a goal disallowed the other week, did Kilkenny, for a, a Jack Charlton-esque barge on the goalkeeper. I've never seen anything like it from him. There must have been 
feed him steroids or something down there. <laughs> well, maybe it's these uh, handsome rewards that he's getting. Maybe so. Uh, and jump straight ahead to... Well, in fact, we're going to lose that Bristol game because we've got the Man United game on the Tuesday, haven't we? Too uh, distracting. Which we'll have one eye on that. Footballers uh, can't hold more than two thoughts in their mind at the no. same time. Let's not talk about that in the football context because we'll do that in a fortnight. However, it's frightening. Yes. It's oh, 8-2, God. Um, because I would have enjoyed seeing Arsenal lose 8-2 if it had been anybody else. Mm. And had we not just drawn that team in the cup? Mm. I was watching it thinking... Oh, but they are going to be oh. in the middle of a, a run of other European and important Premier League games, so... They'll, they'll have to bring on some of the like players who are normally on the bench, like Berbatov and Chikorito, oh. who's been on the bench. Is it just me? Every time you see his shirt name on the telly, do you want to... What a twat. you want to <laughs> punch him in the face? And... Go wild at FA headquarters. I want for to punch him in the face, even though he looks like a lesbian. Hate crimes on the Squareball podcast. So the ticket prices are out for this match. Um, category A, as we probably expected, um, and they've incentivised buying tickets for the Palace and Bristol City games for members to bump yourselves up in the priority list for Man United tickets, haven't they? So if you get a ticket for Palace or Bristol, you are prioritised above ordinary other normal paying members. Is that a bit of a scam, or is it fair enough, good business sense? Well, I think, yeah, it's fair enough, I suppose. I've already got my tickets for Bristol City, however, as a result of that, can't really afford to go to see uh, <laughs> Scum Island Road <laughs> for, for £31. It's a little, a little high for what is, I mean, League Cup, you do wonder what sort of team they're going to bring. And It'll be better than Portsmouth team, which is also 31 quid. Yeah, this is true. It's a supply and demand business, and the demand is obviously going to be there, isn't it? So it's not a supply and demand business generally, though, because you you see all the thousands of empty seats. Well, the East Stand Upper doesn't look like it's going to be ready. Barbados Bill hasn't quite. Oh, was a hint on the website today that they're going to release details about the East Stand Upper in time for this match? Possibly, Possibly yeah. Oh, okay. Well, Barbados Bill, might sorry, be Bill, concrete boots. If he doesn't get it finished <laughs> on time for this match, he might well be part of the East Stand. It all went quiet about the catacombs, didn't it? You remember when we found the empty spaces underneath, and Ken Bates was, ah, oh, we'll fill them with all kinds of it'll be like the palace in the Wizard of Oz. So you'll never have seen anything like it, and then. I think you just realised that there were actually structural foundations and that building anything down there. Take this wall down. <laughs> do it now. Building regs, pa. Do you think but, there's agents bound and gagged down there now? <laughs> but the Turner twins are down there. That wall has to stay up. <laughs> Don't care. Well, we've, now we've teamed up with Flamingo Land and we're building all sorts of other guff on our stadium. We could build a little theme park or maybe a house of horrors in there or something. A circus would be appropriate. <laughs> but we're letting Billy Painter go. Ah. Uh, to I thought we had sound effects for that. Oh, I haven't got, a, I haven't got a, a, a cymbal crash, I don't think. We weren't expecting jokes, were we? Oh, no, hang on. I found the sound effect. Wait a second. There it goes. Comedy here on the Square Ball podcast, yeah. At last, of the 34. <laughs> Is it time to move on now to our new feature, the Ken Bates villain of the Fortnite Award? Is it Ken Bates again? <laughs> <laughs> well, he gets his, uh, his fortnightly nomination. Uh, that's two out of two now, so 100% record so far. I'm going to side with, with Ken and go for the Chinese. <laughs> that's a lot of people. That's, 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 a, that's a nation of 1.2 billion people. Do we have Maxi Gradle up for this award? Do you think it would be fair to give it to Max this fortnight? He's upset a lot of people in the last couple of days. I think he's got to be definitely a candidate. Is that what, because of the transfer request or the fact that he's left? or All of it. We forgave him for his mad sending off, and now he's done this to us. So he's definitely up there. I would, um, my nomination would be for the whole concept of the transfer window. And if there is one single person responsible for it, they should be locked in a room with Jim White. And Harry Redknapp. And Harry Redknapp <laughs> for eternity. Well, for a while. For the length of a transfer window. I preferred it when you could just goddamn buy players whenever you goddamn wanted. It was much easier. Oh, because you didn't, you know, you get because then you just naturally get your squad together in the summer, and then if you need anybody during the season, you buy them. But actually, isn't the emergency loan window much bemoaned by Leeds fans? That is the football league's way of getting round the uh, the transfer window being imposed. It's to give clubs a chance to get players in outside of that. Just abolish the transfer window, then you'd have to get round it. So the emergency loan window doesn't at all reflect what it actually is either, because we tend to have used it to sign players to put on the bench. Quite often, who were not really necessary, like Livermore and Bannon, who we got last year on emergency loans, and then just carried on playing the same team as we had all season. And when they did play, play him out of position. Oh, well, the only emergency I can think of is uh, Ben Parker's on the team sheet. Woo, woo, 
<laughs> so nominations for the Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnite Award. We have Ken Bates, Max Gradle, and the Transfer Window. Who do we want to give it to? I thought Michael also nominated the Chinese. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I forget, yeah. So that's Ken Bates, the Chinese, Max Gradle, or the Transfer Window. Who do we want to give it to? I'm Ken gonna, Bates. I'm going to go Transfer Window. Moscow. Well, I nominated the Transfer hate, Window. Hate I'm not game, changing now. Hate the game, not the players. <laughs> or whatever the saying, however the saying goes. <laughs> All right, then. I'll, I'm prepared to side with that, and I'll go with the Transfer Window, being the, uh, the Ken Bates villain of the fortnight for this fortnight. Seems fair enough to me. If you want to nominate a villain of the fortnight, you can do it via any of the mediums of getting in touch with us. Podcast at thesquareball.net is the email address, and you can get in touch on Facebook and Twitter. Look for us. We are the Square Ball. And as we move into the any other business section of the podcast, worth mentioning that uh, Maxi Gradle has fallen foul of the curse of the Legion United calendar because he was on the August page, and we've sold him. Do you know who's on the September page? I can think of a few people I'd like to be on the September page. Is it Billy Painter? I think it may be. If you are in possession of a of a Legion United calendar, uh, I haven't got one because I am over 10. Um, but if you have one, do get in touch with us and let us know if it is Billy Painter. I think that's maybe why Brighton are in for him. Gus sneaked a look a month ahead. I can get a jump on everybody. They'll all want him in the emergency loans, but I can have him now. And with all that done then, it's worth having a quick roundup of the deadline day. Hang on. Deadline day, transfer window, drama, roundup, Sky Sports style excitement. I can see a clock. It's ticking. <laughs> I'm just going to go stand out in the car park for this bit and try and, <laughs> try and find some toothless morons to dance around next to me. I was going to describe them as gap-toothed simpletons. Um, Why are they all Georgies? We're in Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> go back to your own place. Wait a, wait a minute. Um, something's coming through. on the wi- Is it on the wire? It's a tweet. No, it was nothing. It was, just, no, it was just somebody nothing. somebody retweeting a joke. It's a picture of a it's a picture of a Burnley player. <laughs> oh god, yeah, that was uh, amazing, wasn't it? Just to uh, to sidetrack briefly, what was his what's his name? The guy who did it was it Treacy? I can't remember his first remember, name. Yeah, if you if you missed Keith this, or, you, or you're not on Twitter, Keith Treacy. Don't <laughs> thank your lucky stars. <laughs> you didn't see it. A picture. Imagine how this is going to go down in the halls at Burnley and <laughs> the corridors of power, laid on a bed, showing what. Could only be described as his anus. Um, Legs akimbo, backside on show. Yeah, I mean, really graphic. It was winking at the camera. The question is, who's behind that camera? Self-timer. I've got loads of them. (laughs) It's effectively what Ken Bates has been doing to us all week. (laughs) Thank God that picture hasn't come out, though. So, yeah, transfer deadline day. Winding down to a horrible anticlimax at 8.30 for us. I mean... We'll probably announce Mikhail... For thing is, we don't. That's not even deadline. Still didn't work, did it, Moscow? No, we don't even need to announce that tonight because he's a he's free transfer. Let's do it tomorrow. No one even gives a shit. But he's probably gone out. He'll probably be in Nando's now, it's like tossing one off into a bowl of chicken. Well, given that we've awarded, eating, <laughs> given that we've awarded the uh, transfer window, the Ken Bates Villain of the Fortnight Award, is this the worst transfer window ever since the last one? <laughs> They're all bad. We never sign anyone good. Yeah, it's it's just sitting around waiting to be disappointed. I mean, I could do with an early night, to be honest, after last night being waspified, but I get the feeling I'll still be awake at half 11 while they say, Tottenham are feeding a player into the fax machine. It's incredibly exciting, but is it legal? <laughs> You, de- you definitely need to go home and have some sleep. I think we should just... The, uh, let's the, just sign off before this descends. The Turner the Twins, they won't transmit. <laughs> <laughs> you right. fall, your transponder is never going to work. Right, well, let's hope that something... I happens. can reassemble them from the electrons when they reach the other side of the lab. <laughs> no, the Turner Twins aren't ready. It's time for us to go, isn't it? It really is. Let's hope something unfolds in the next two and a half hours. Otherwise, it's uh, into the emergency loan window again. Goodbye from me. Bye from Michael Normanson. Goodbye. Moscow White. Go get some sleep. Goodbye. And Oddie. Goodbye. We will return in a fortnight. We look forward to speaking to you then. Ta-ra. The Square Ball Podcast, supported by thegeldedend.com. And uh, Clayton's winner. What a moment. Brilliant. And he seems a winner? To- we won! I didn't realise we'd won. <laughs> Uh, it's not. Someone's put Clayton's winner. Well, it felt like. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm just reading off the paper. I'm rumbling. <laughs> well, it felt like a winner. 
Clayton's late equaliser then. No, felt, felt I think like... stick with it. We will call it a winning goal because it was a moral no. victory. It was just no. a. It was Stop. a. Stop. I'm going to go back and do it again. It was the kind of goal. Dan never keeps in the bits that make him sound silly. <laughs> no. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.